thanking you for another opportunity, God, you've given us to be here in this place. We love you, Father. We thank you. We magnify you because you are a good God and you are worthy to be praised. And Lord, as we come stand in this place to declare your word today, God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and knowledge from on high. God, let it not be me, but you that speak today. Spirit of the living God, have your way in this place. God, we love you now. We praise you. Give us a revelatory word from on high. In Jesus' name, we declare the victory. Everybody said amen. amen. Come on, give him a hand of praise. God bless you. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God. And it's good to be here in our VBS kickoff Sunday. Amen. Wow, did our decorating team do an awesome job or what? I tell you what, make you want to go back, flashback, go back, locker room. Come on, let's go hit somebody, Vic. Hit. Then your body said, no, hold up, hold up. You're 55 now. <laughs> Glory be to God. I thank God for this day. I, I really do. I thank God for the upcoming uh, three days that we have uh, for our VBS. And again, it's, it's for for 90-year-olds and 5-year-olds, amen. So uh, I, uh, we were talking and, and passing out uh, our flyers this week, and we ran up. One, one lady said, well, this is good for the kids. I said, no, I said, it's not just for the kids. I mean, we, VBS is a time where all of us, adults and young ones, get together to study the Word of God, to praise His name in a fun, loving way, uh, and learn how to, how to be uh, uh, teammates for, for, the, for the kingdom, amen? Learn how to grow in our faith and learn how to be the person that God called and ordained for us to be, amen? So if you have your Bibles, guys, I'm going to ask you to turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Today, we're going we're gonna to use the subject title, Game Time. Everybody say Game Time. Because again, in, in flowing with our theme of Game On, uh, we, we realize that there comes a point in time when, when we have to step up. I'm going to, you know, there's a lot of coaches, coaching phrases and cliches that we've heard down through the years, but all of them, you know, uh, flow on a common thing about getting ready, getting your mind prepared. You know, uh, Brother Carl, you ever heard somebody say, bow your neck? Yeah, some of the coaches, you say, bow your neck. That may, some of them say, get your head in the game. Get your focus on, amen? Uh, some will say, uh, we, you know, we, we got we to get, get our minds in it. We got we to step up. We gotta, you got you to gotta do your part, amen? You got to control the tempo. You got you to gotta play with more enthusiasm. And you got to focus on the fundamentals. All those coaching cliches uh, can be mapped to our uh, in, in, in a way to our journey of faith here on earth because it is important for us to be on the same team. It is important for each one of us to have proper godly focus. It is, prop, it is, it is important for each one of us to be dialed in to what God wants us to do on this team, amen, that's, that's been put into this earth to advance the kingdom principles, okay? So I, I, my, my encouragement to each one of you today is, is to get your mind ready, amen, get your focus right, amen, bow your neck, amen. There's going to be some time when you, in this journey of faith, you're going to have some hard situations, 
amen, that's when you got to, you got to dig down deep, amen. You got, to, you got to pull up something from the inside. Do you have something on the inside, amen? Do, do, do you really feel like God is on your side? Amen. So now it's time for us to, to get ourselves ready because it's game time. Everybody says game time. Yeah. Now in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, we're going to begin our reading at verse number 24. And I pray that uh, you have your hearts and minds ready to receive today. Because in this passage here, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And as we look at the church at Corinth, one of the things that we notice uh, in Paul's writing, in particular at, with this church, and with various other churches, Paul would oftentimes use athletic examples, amen, to, to give us a window into spiritual principles. Paul talked about boxing, fighting. He talks about running. Uh, he talks about running your race. And he talks about finishing your course. And so uh, we, we, we recognize that it can be a good way of focusing our minds on what's important in the earth today. So 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse number 24, and I'll read it for you. You read along with me. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. Is that right? So what does Paul say? So run to win. Amen? Okay, if he says, so run that you may obtain the prize. Look at verse number 25. Let's go there right quick. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for what? An eternal prize. Look at verse number 26. Let's go. It says what? So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just what? Shadow boxing. You know, you know what shadow boxing is? You know, just beating at the air. Anybody can do that, get in the ring and... You can up a cup and all that, but when somebody's facing you who's going to knock your head off, if you make the wrong move, then it gets a little bit more difficult, right? And in this Christian life, guys, we do face a real opponent. We do face a real enemy who is trying to knock our block off, but we got to be ready. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing, he says. Look at the next verse. He says what? I discipline my body like an athlete. Now, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth, dealing with, amen, the mindset that he has as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that same mindset he's wanting to encourage them to have as they run this Christian race, as they get into the game of life, as they begin to pursue victory, amen, for the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be what? Disqualified. That's what it says. I, I, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Talking about game time. It's time to get ready for the game. It's time, not, not only is it time to get ready for the game, we should already be preparing for the game. I remember very vividly, uh, you know, during my athletic days in, at Benton High School, and even furthermore, when I played ball over at Louisiana Tech, uh, you realize that, that let's say in a, in a ball game of 15-minute quarters, uh, 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 so 30-minute halves, and then 60 minutes 
of actual playing time. Well, really, it's actually less than 60 minutes of playing time because the clock is running continuously if there's not an out-of-bounds or an incomplete pass, right? And so, so really, uh, actual game time, actual plays, a play may last, I don't know, anywhere from uh, 8 to 10 seconds. It depends on what happens with the football in, in the game of football. We got a field right in front of us here. And we say it's God's team and game on. I, I, that turf makes me want to go and hit somebody. <laughs> Anybody ready? Cassandra, you wrote. But think about this for a second. All of the preparation that goes into preparing for the football game, since we're getting ready to come into football season, all the preparation that's, 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 that's required for baseball or basketball, any sport that you go into, all of that time of preparation is to get you ready for when it's time to compete. And so you football players nowadays pretty much have to train all year long to get ready for that game that the clock says you got 60 minutes to play, but in actual playing time, maybe it may be 30 minutes, 35 minutes of actual, actual action. Because you know they got to huddle up, right? Uh, some, some teams don't huddle nowadays, but, but usually they'll huddle up, decide what play they're going to run, right? The defense huddles up and decides what defense they're going to call in order to actually defend what's getting ready to happen with the offense. And you spend all that time uh, training just for that 35 or 40 minutes of actual playing time. But if you don't do that, chances are you're going to lose when you get into competition. Paul says here, I discipline my body like an athlete. Now, what is, he, what is he getting at here? What Paul is saying is, as spiritual, born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who are on this journey of life, who are in this game to compete, it is important that we discipline ourselves like an athlete does. You know, Olympic athletes, think about this for a second. Olympic athletes have to train uh, their bodies and uh, a guy who runs a 100-meter dash uh, trains for those four years to run uh, under 10 seconds. Their whole training is geared toward a race that lasts, if you're going to be an Olympic athlete running a 100-meter dash, uh, trying to run it under 10 seconds. Think about it for a second. All that time, all that energy, all that money, all that pain for what? 10 seconds. But they, they deem it to be worth it because they realize the, the benefits of, of winning the gold medal uh, in the Olympics, it, it brings notoriety, it brings economic benefits also. So they spend that time preparing themselves. So Paul here, as we get into this text here, he says, uh, he says I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now again, this passage is one of the great challenges of Scripture because it's a challenge that every minister, every believer should memorize and keep before our minds. Because if we're, if we're going to be on a team together, we can't afford to have slackers. How many of y'all remember on teams that you played on in high school or college or whatever where you had some people who would work out and give it their very best, but then you had other folks who were trying to cheat on the reps? They're supposed to did 10, but they did five. And looking around and see if the coach is looking. You were supposed to go, Gary, run all the way down to the pumping station on Stinson Road. Jerry, that, that's old school. They would have us run all the way down there. But some guys 
will try to cheat and not go all the way. And those are your teammates. And so here you are preparing yourself, but if your teammates aren't doing what they're supposed to do, they're going to affect the team's conditioning during the ball game. Can I get a witness? So we got to make sure that we are good teammates. we got to make sure that we are prepared for the battle because it is what? Game time. So, so here, Paul is still, Paul is giving us an inside look into his heart and his ministry and how he viewed the Christian life and ministry. But, but this passage is unique in its description because it described Paul's feelings about the Christian life in terms of athletes, uh, in terms of the runner and the boxer, amen. And, and no true minister or Christian believer can approach this Christian life and be successful when you're flabby and out of shape. Can I say it again? When you're flabby and out of shape. Now, I, I don't want to, listen, when I say that, I'm talking about spiritually speaking. I don't want anybody to get offended to you talking about me. Pastor called us flabby and out of shape. I am not talking about physically, but I'm talking about spiritually. Because if the truth be told, a bunch of us in here will say that I'm not in the best shape that I could possibly be in. A bunch of us in here can say I could stand to lose about 20, 30, 40, 50, come on now, 60 pounds, and I still would look all right, all right? Uh, some of, how many, how many of y'all out here can, can honestly say that, Pastor, I feel flabby sometimes? Okay, all right, all right, yeah. How many of you, don't, don't get offended now, okay? I just want, physically we think that way, but what about spiritually? Paul uses the athletic analogy to describe, amen, our spiritual disposition. And so, so none of us can afford to have, amen, a flabby attitude when it comes to the thing of Christ. No genuine Christian can indulge the body and its lust and expect to win the incorruptible crown that is promised to us who, who run this race well. So Corinth, as he writes this letter to Corinth, Corinth was very familiar with what they call the Ithmian Games, which was, was second only to, at that time, the Olympic Games that the Greeks in the, in the Romans world put on. And so Everyone in the Corinthian church knew the point that Paul was making when he says here uh, uh, in, in verse number 24, he says, in the KJV, he says, Know ye not that you, they which run in the race, run all, but one receiveth the prize. So immediately the analogy of competition came into play. So, so Paul says that the Christian minister and the Christian believer can, can, can be compared to an athlete. Amen. And shockingly, he says that a true minister and a true believer of the Lord is to live a life just as disciplined, come on now, just as disciplined as an Olympic athlete. An Olymp Olympic athlete, amen, goes to the Olympics, what, every four years to compete. Am I right about it? They go every four years to compete, but what are they doing prior to competition? They're preparing. They're disciplining their bodies. They're getting their minds right so that when it's time to compete, they'll be, amen, uh, in, in a position where they can uh, win, amen, the race, the game, or whatever they're competing in. So, guys, you know, last week we talked about accountability, right? We, we started talking about, and I, we carried over our Bible study, we talked about spiritual authority and accountability. Like no other format than in the format of a team do we need accountability, 
Can I get a witness? And, 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 and when we talk about accountability, I want to remind you that, that the goal of accountability is not to please others, but for each other to hold each other accountable. The goal is to please God and to walk closer with him if we're going to be accountable, right? I told you in this day and age that we live in, in most churches, Christians don't want to be accountable to anybody. You don't want nobody to call you and say, hey, brother, we've been missing you. What, can I, is there anything we can do for you? What's going on, man? That's not, that's not your usual uh, uh, mindset. You, you, you were plugged in. You were connected. Hey, man, what's going on? I'm all right. Most of us, most of us lie when people ask us what's going, how we're doing, right? In the South, when we are asked how we're doing, what do we say? Fine. But the truth of the matter is, most of the time, there is stuff that's percolating beneath the surface that's going on in our lives, and we're not all the way fine, but we say that as a common courtesy. What, when you're in accountable relationships, you put yourself, amen, in connection with somebody who you can be real with, who you can, who, who you can say, yeah, you know, everything's okay, but I'm dealing with this issue here. I'm going through this thing right here. I'm having this relationship problem. I'm having this financial issue. Uh, you can be honest with people. Because if we're gonna if we're gonna compete and win, we got to have people who are accountable to one another. Can I get a witness? Teammates have to be accountable to each other. You know, one of the things that they do um, uh, nowadays in uh, the NCAA has regulated the amount of time that players can actually be coached by coaches. And during the off season, uh, they allow a strength and conditioning coach to help get the guys in shape, but coaches can't actually be doing on-field coaching. Like during the summer right now, they can't be doing on-field coaching. But the athletes can gather together themselves, and oftentimes uh, the coaches will look for team leaders to organize seven-on-seven competitions where they got out there throwing offense versus defense. Even though the coaches can't be there because it's, it's against NCAA regulation, they require uh, or they, they, they put in their minds, they can't require them, but you know you can require but not require. You don't have to come, amen, but you better come. You, anybody with me? You, you, give you give an illustration. Uh, just, just, just last uh, uh, night, we needed our ice maker is messing up. And so we had to go buy some ice to put in the ice maker in the refrigerator so it could make some ice because it wasn't making any ice. And we had gotten home, and it was about 10 o'clock, 10, 15 or so, and we had forgotten to stop. Maria and I had been out all day uh, running, doing some errands, doing some things. And, and so we started talking, and she says, I'll go up there, which I said, well, okay, yeah, you go. Okay, we're going in the truck. She wanted to know if we were going in the truck or in the car. Because, see, my truck, the, the, the passenger seat, uh, there's something wrong with it, so it won't let all the way back. So if we were going in the car, her seats let let's all the way back. And what she was telling me is, if I go with you, I'm going to sleep. Because I want to be able to lean it back. I said, well, we'll, we'll go, we'll go, we'll, we'll go in the truck. And then so she was gonna go with me, but then she she was kind of wanting to stay there. And then she asked this question, guys. Everybody says it's a setup question. She says, uh, I'll go and get it. She asked me that, Eric. Now it's 1030 at night, almost 1030, and she says, I'll go and get it by, by herself and me stay at the house. Now I want to know how many dense brothers in here would have said, okay, baby. 
Jerry, don't you dare do it. Andre, don't you dare do it. I don't care what it sounds like. And she said it so sweet. I'll go get it. I said, no, nah, baby, nah. I'm going to take care of going to get nice. As a, matter, as a matter of fact, you stay right here in the bed. You don't even have to go with me. She said, okay. <laughs> and guys, guess what? When I came back, guess what she was doing? Up under the cover. <laughs> Sleep. Are you with me? So, so I, 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 I've learned my teammate, Laura. I, I understand when sometimes she says one thing, that's not really what she meant. And so that's an art to that, brothers. You got to, that's why the Bible says, dwell with them according to what? Knowledge. You got to understand your teammate. Can I get a word? You got to understand what makes them tick. So, so, so that's, that's a process that we go through. So, so, so having accountable relationships as far as teammates in the gospel is very crucial and is very important. And the goal is to please God and to walk closer to him. The Apostle Paul captured the significance of this when he prayed. Go to Ephesians 1. Uh, chapter seven, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 17. Ephesians 1, verse 17. Let's go to it right quick. Are y'all still with me? Everybody says game time. It, it is game time. I want to I know, are you ready? I want to know, do you have your mind right? I want to know, are you in shape? I want to know, do you know the plays? Because I can't put you on the court. I can't put you on the field if you don't know the plays. I can't put you out there if you, don't know, if you don't know how to defend, if you don't know how to, to, to run the route correctly. Can I get a witness? Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 17. Watch what the Bible says. Paul is writing to the saints at Ephesus. He says, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you, he says, I'm, I'm asking him to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might what? Grow in your knowledge of God. Read it one more time. He says, what? I, he says, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you what? Spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God, that you might know him better. The focus of spiritual accountability, the focus of spiritual friendship should never be one's, your own personality or your own human ingenuity, but the focus of spiritual accountability and spiritual friendship should be on coming to know God better. I, I, I subject myself to accountability so I can know God better. Can I get a witness? And so, so that he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when, when my time on this earth is up, amen? So, look, so, so we're talking about teammates it's important for us to be accountable to one another in the body of Christ. I share with you, there's a problem that we have in the church today when people don't want to be accountable to one another in the church. We say, okay, pastor, preach. Pastor, I'm coming to enjoy the service, but, 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 but don't deal with me in my stuff because my stuff is private. I don't, I don't tell my business. I, I don't. It, most of the time, people who say that they don't tell their business, they tell all their business. <laughs> but guys, somewhere in the body of Christ, we got to have people who are willing, you know, who are willing to be accountable and connected to each other. If we're going to be a team, we got to be connected. Just like those those guys who are working out now, they got they got to be accountable to each other. If you don't show up through none of the summer workouts that are voluntary, then you're not a good teammate. Hello, you're not. We got to be accountable to each other. So 
as we look at this text here, go with me right quick to, let's see what scripture says about connectivity to each other. Go to, go to Galatians, the sixth chapter, verses one and two. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Are y'all there? Are you on your way? Keep going while I'm tying my shoes, y'all. Galatians 6. Let's see what the scripture says about connectivity and accountability, how we are responsible for each other. See, the church has got to get back to being the true church. And we got to learn and understand what God wants us to do. Because if, if it's game time, I need every player prepared to go in. Guys, how many are, who, who was the Super Bowl winning quarterback last year? Who was, who was the Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles? Who was it? What was his name? Now, Carson Wentz was a starter, but he got hurt. Thanks. Somebody know, somebody know who, who the starter is. That's good. But he got hurt. So when he got hurt, Guess who stepped up? Nick Foles. Nick Foles stepped up and led the charge for the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Now, guys, guess what? He was not the starter. Carson Wentz is the franchise quarterback. He's getting the, he got the biggest contract. But the guy on the sideline had to be prepared to play when his number was called. And he was certainly prepared to play when his number was called and he led them to the championship. So, so as, as, as teammates, we got to be prepared to step into the game when our number is called. Can they get a witness? Watch this. Watch what Paul says. Because, again, this connectivity is really important, and we are accountable to each other. We are, we are to cover each other and to help each other. Watch what the text says. Are y'all there? Can we read it together? Out loud and on purpose. Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse 1 and verse number 2. Come on, let's read together. The text says what? If another believer, stop, stop, let's go back. And I'm not playing with scripture here, but I, I want to use it for our, for our, for our theme here. Let's say where, where we see believers, everybody say teammate. Okay, y'all looking at it, say teammate. Let's go one more time. Let, so let's start over. It says what? Dear brothers and sisters, if another teammate is overcome by some sin, should gently and humbly Help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Is that what the Bible says? Look at verse number two. Let's go for just for good measure. Verse number two says what? Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So he says if a brother is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, go and restore that brother or sister in a spirit of meekness. And, 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 and while you're doing it, think about how you would want somebody to come get you if you fail. He says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. But you got to do it gently and humbly help that person get back on the right path. Now, how, how am I going to do that if there's no connectivity and there's no accountability? How, am I, how are we going to do that effectively if we don't even talk to each other any at all? See, as teammates, we've got to have some time where we bond. Everybody say bond. Now go with me right quick to Philippians, the second chapter, verse number two. Philippians 2 and verse number four. I want to walk through the scripture to show you that accountability for teammates is crucial for success of teammates, of the whole team. 
If we don't have accountability, if you just run and do your own thing, you just show up here on Sunday and look at me, and I look at you, you look at somebody during the, during the fellowship period, and that's all. That's, that's, the, that's your only, only interaction with fellow believers is on Sunday morning. How many know that's not really connectivity and accountability? It really is not, amen. If we want to see you once a week, I'm glad you're here, but it's got to be deeper than that. Everybody say, go deeper. Now watch what Philippians, the second chapter, verse number four says. Can we read it together? It says what? Don't look out only for your own interest, but take, but take an interest in others too. Can we read it again? Let's go. Let's go. It says what? Don't look out only. Now stop, stop. Let's go back to verse three. Let's, let's, let's pull, pull verse three into it. Paul is writing to the saints in Philippi, and notice what he says. This is Bible, guys. We're walking through this together. It says, well, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Verse 5 says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So, again, connectivity, accountability. Let me give you another one. Go to John 13 chapter. I just want to show you through the Bible. Let the Bible speak. Let the word speak. We got to have a, a, a church that's foundation. His foundation is the word of God and not, uh, you know, self-help talk. The word of God is speaking to us. It's game time. Amen. Go to John the 13 chapter in verses 13, 34 through 35. John, St. John 13 chapter, verses 34 through 35. Glory to God. Are you, watch what it says here. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Jesus is talking here. He says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now watch what Jesus says here. He says, the same way, in the same capacity, in the same format that I love you, you should love each other. Talking to his followers now. Talking to all of us teammates in here. Look at verse number 35. Let's read it. It says what? Your love for one another, watch this, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. All right, watch this. So I will love the type of love that we have for each other and toward each other will show a dying world that we really belong to God, that we are truly his disciples. I got news for you guys. I think the church, the body of Christ as a whole has not done a good job of showing our love to each other. That's why the world doesn't, doesn't believe that we are truly his disciples because we're shooting at each other. Huh? We're trying to crucify each other. We, we're, we're dogging each other out when we should be showing the love of God between us. We may not agree on everything, but we're not trying to kill each other. I'm talking about with our mouths. Can I get a witness? He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciple, that, that you are part of the teammate, that the team, that you're part of Christ's team that is advancing kingdom principles. R write this one down. I'm, I'm going to read it to you and we're going to move forward. Proverbs 27 and 6, it says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. The KJV says, faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. NLT says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I would much rather you tell me my tennis shoes are ugly today 
than me to go and wear them out somewhere else. And Ava, they look at me at the state fair and say, where did that guy get those tennis shoes from? I would much rather you tell me as a friend that it don't look good. And you know, that's a matter of opinion. But some stuff just, you know, you know all opinions say it don't look good. Amen? All right? But, but a, a, a true friend will tell you about yourself in a loving, truthful, God-honoring way. Not in a demeaning, condescending way, but in a truthful, loving, God-honoring way. We got to speak truth into people's lives. And quit talking about, I didn't want to tell them because I thought it was going to hurt their feelings. Baby, let me tell you something. Friends, they may wound you with truth, but it's better than somebody telling you something that ain't true. Can I get a witness? Watch this. Proverbs 27 and 17. Let's look at this one right quick. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So a teammate sharpens a teammate. Got one more for you. Go to Galatians 5, 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. What I'm trying to get to you is, is the fact that when Paul uses these athletic examples here, he, he, he's using those and he's, 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 he's making it uh, consummate with what it means to be a friend or, or a believer who's accountable to another believer. And as a part of this body of Christ, as a, as a part of the EBC family of faith, we should be accountable to one, other, one another. Okay? We should be accountable. We should go after each other when we see somebody strain, right? Look at what the text says. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to do what? Serve one another in love. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Everybody say in love. Now watch, watch this. Uh, finding one or more accountability partners is not necessarily an easy process, but the but, but here's some things. Just write these three things that you should look, look for when it talks about accountability in the body of Christ. Some people who you should, three things you ought to look for when you're looking for an accountability partner or somebody who can hold you accountable and vice versa. The overriding qualities of people uh, who, 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 who you can have as accountability partner, number one, they should love Christ. Why are you going to have that dude that don't even come to church? Why are you going to have that dude who y'all drink together, chase women together. Is it chasing women? Is it that, that, that's, am I showing my age now, Gary? <laughs> Trying to be a player together. Somebody says the same thing, yeah. Trying to be a player together. Huh? Got your own little secret thing that you do together. Why do you want to have that person hold you accountable? He needs some help himself at a greater level. Find someone, number one, who loves Christ. I didn't say go to church. I didn't say be a deacon or a preacher because you got deacons and preachers that ain't worth. Be, oh. Oh. Okay, all right, all right, all right. God loves everybody. But if you're not living this walk, if you're not living it out, then you don't deserve to be someone's accountability partner. Because you need to find somebody, number one, who loves Christ. 
Number two, you need to find somebody who wants to see you succeed. You need somebody who wants to see you succeed. How many of y'all we do have, the, the, there, there are undercover haters in the body of Christ. Y'all do know that, right? There are people who you think are pulling for you, but they're not really for you. There are, there, there are, there are believers who are so insecure in their own selves. Come on now. They got, they got, they got insecurity at a level to where somehow or another they can't rejoice when you get blessed. Somehow they get upset and mad when God blesses you. They, but, but it's not really you. It's something that they got going on inside of them that they have not effectively allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with them on. But you don't need that kind of person to be your accountability partner who when God does bless you, they get mad. They, they don't say that they're mad, but, the, but, but, but it, it comes out because they start saying, you think you're something now. Well, where'd that come from? You think you something now. now they, don't, they won't tell you that, but they tell their other friends that. Huh? Or they get on social media and throw out. You know, some people, when they get blessed, they, they don't want to bless nobody. They don't want to, they don't want to bless nobody else. I, you know, you, the Lord bless you with $100,000, and they want you to give them ten so they can pay off their car. But you, you the one got the car who couldn't afford it in the first place. Or, 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 or they, they, want, they want you to, to help them get some new front. They, you know, it's amazing. Come on now. It's amazing how people will turn on you when God bless you. This happens quite often with athletes. You know, we got, we got some, some players that got drafted around here, um, and they're in the NFL and the NBA. And, and one of the things that they do at, at some of those seminars with those new those, those rookies is tell them and try to coach them on how to handle family members and friends. Because everybody starts to pull on you and want what God bless you with. And, and there's no, a lot of times, there's not even a, a close connection. But then family and friends will play upon you to say, okay, God bless you, so you need to give, you need to give it to me. If you don't give it to them, now they, 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 what they start saying, he think he's something else. I knew him before he got all that money. Guys, let me tell you something. If God bless you, amen, I, 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 I'm going to be the happiest person in the world besides you. Because I, I want to see God bless every last one of you in here. And blessings go beyond, come on, just monetary means. I think I see Brenda Davis back there in the back. Brenda, don't God bless and go beyond just monetary means? This sister was in the hospital, guys, and it did not look good. But God stepped in and healed her body. And she's sitting up here in this service today looking like God has been good to her. So his blessings go beyond just monetary things. But what will happen is when God does bless you, that person who's insecure can't handle it because they're thinking about their insecurities and they haven't dealt with them. And so now they begin to get hateful towards you when you ain't do nothing to it. Are y'all still with me? So, 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 so when it comes to accountability, you need somebody who loves Christ, someone who wants to see you succeed. I mean, genuinely. I mean, for real. I'm talking about without fear or trepidation. They don't have no problem with God blessing you. Even if they stay in the same position, they still don't have a problem with God blessing you. If you keep going up, they, they, keep, they keep pushing you to go farther. 
because they realize that your blessing doesn't diminish who they are and where they are. Are you listening to me? Third, third, third quality. You also need to have somebody who has a sense of need for accountability in their own lives. You got to have somebody who has a sense, who, has, who, who, who also senses a need for accountability in their own life. Because how are you going to be an accountability partner if you don't, you're not accountable? Okay? Now, you know, people usually pick somebody who they respect, people who they feel compatible with, and whose judgment they trust. Because, you, you know, a teammate has to be someone, we're using this analogy here, a teammate, uh, a good godly teammate is someone who you, you have trust in. Can I get a witness? Uh, Proverbs 13 and 20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools is going to suffer harm. That's what it says. It's, 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 can we pop it up, guys? Proverbs 13 and 20. Uh, real quickly, Proverbs 13 and 20. Uh, th this is crucially important because it's game time. It's, it's time for the church, like no other time in the history of this earth, it is time for the church to gear itself up to be prepared to do warfare, to get into the game and, 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 and win. Guys, let me tell you something. Every battle that you face is not going to be an easy one. You know, there were, there were some games I remember we played, even when we were in high school, there were some teams we played, you kind of knew before the game that there was a good chance you were going to win, but you still have to prepare because let me tell you something, there are teams who were discounted. Take, for instance, last year, who was the LSU play they were supposed to run over? Troy. Troy. All right. I remember back a few years back, several years back when Appalachian State went into Michigan. Before 100 and some thousand people, Appalachian State was not supposed to have a chance of beating them, but they beat them. You see, so you can't ever underestimate the enemy. You got to prepare yourself. I don't care if you overcame this thing 15 times. You better be prepared to overcome it 16 times because the enemy will come at you again to try to catch you at your weak moment. Amen? So prepare yourself. The text says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Now, you got to pay somebody to help you misunderstand that. Can we read it again? Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Now, ask yourself this question. Am I continuously getting in trouble? Then, then just start looking around and say, who are you hanging out with? All of us keep getting in trouble. It's because y'all fools. I mean, not, I'm talking about you right now, but everybody who you connect with is not a healthy relationship. And some of y'all are connected with some people who don't, they don't even realize it, but they're not good for you. Yeah, I know you like them. Yeah, they funny. And yeah, they do some crazy things. He's so crazy, but he a fool. And you keep getting in trouble with he's so crazy. The text says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Now, when I say that, you say, but Pastor, you know God, God loves everybody. Yes, he does. But some folks you don't need to hang with. 
Because the more you hang with them, see, like the more trouble you get in. The Bible even says in another, in another passage, says, don't you be deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. When you, when, you are, when you are connected with somebody who don't have God at the forefront of their mind, who, who just want to live and let live, when you connect with that person, it'll, it, it's going to have some impact on you. I don't care if you got somebody who you connected with and friends with or you in, in a caliber relationship with, it's going to rub off on you. Amen? So, so, so watch that. It's, it's, sometimes it's, it's even appropriate to have different people hold you accountable in different areas. Amen? For example, you may have somebody who hold you accountable for your weight. I know that's sensitive. But you may need to have somebody, you know, somebody who can encourage you and not just dog you out. You don't need somebody every time to say, ooh, girl, you got big. Don't. Ooh, look at you, man. What, what happened to you? That's not very encouraging. I'm not talking about those kind of folks. And let me say this right quick. Oh, you know, my senior citizens, senior saints, golden vessels, I know we respect you for your age, but don't say everything that comes to your mind. I know you got Grandma Lucy, and Grandma Lucy hadn't seen you in two years. Child, baby, what you eating? Grandma, Grandma, don't, don't, Grandma, please. It's just, hold, Grandma, that's a sensitive subject. She, she's lost 20. So don't discourage her and make her think she didn't did anything. So let your words be edifying, Grandma Lucy. All right? So, but, 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 but maybe different areas. Amen? Different areas. Uh, you know, it, it, it may be that you have somebody else who hold you accountable in your financial matters. You know, people who, people who, can, who can guide you, people who can, who can look at your financial statement and your, and your budget and say, say where improvement needs to be made. You know, it's, it's okay to have somebody who maybe who's responsible for holding you accountable in financial matters, in, in, in different areas, amen? Uh, but, but, but take time to develop those kind of accountable relationships. Chances are good that an existing friend may be that person who, who, who's a candidate for accountability. And it may not be, amen? Because sometimes some people you call friends aren't really true friends because you can't stand the wounds of the friend. If you get mad and stop talking to them because they tell you something that's true, then you guys, you, you, you're probably more of an of acquaintance than you are a true friend. Let me say this. Uh, as a, let, let me put it this way. Under no circumstances, except with your spouse, should that you have a person of the opposite sex as your accountability partner. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some wisdom here. As your accountability partner. Can I help you? Because, see, when you start, listen, there is something about emotional connections and emotional ties that we got to learn about because some, sometimes you fall into stuff that you shouldn't be in because you went into it with your eyes closed. So if I got an accountability partner, it needs to be another dude, except my spouse. Spouses are particularly helpful 
in areas of personal weakness. Amen? And, and, and you ought to, let me say this right quick, you ought to invite accountability into your marriage. You ought to, and it is necessary for you to invite accountability into your marriage. If the two going to become one flesh, like the Bible says, how can you be separate when it comes to certain things? I told you, too many couples up in this church can't talk about stuff. And you settle for not being able to talk about stuff. You've been not been able to talk about stuff for 20 years. Child, I can't, yeah, I can't say it. Yeah, I can't say nothing. Yeah, I just, I go on this, do what I'm going to do, but I ain't going to tell him nothing about that, yeah, because he get all upset. Don't you think something wrong with that? If you two are one flesh, and if you two are, 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 are growing in Christ together, you should be accountable to each other. Hello? Be willing to address all issues with your spouse. That, that's the exception that with somebody the opposite success. Because I've, I've seen it happen too many times where you start out, we're just friends. And I can talk to him, I can't talk to him. That's a problem when you can talk to that guy at work, can't talk to your husband. I'm trying to help somebody up in here before you fall. I can talk to him, he's so easy to talk to. And, 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 you know, he gives me so much wisdom and advice. As a matter of fact, I look forward to going to work. Because on break, we go in the break room and we have our coffee and our latte and we just talk about stuff. And on lunch break, sometimes we go to lunch together and, 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 and it seems like the time just passes like that. It's your naive self. I'm not saying you, you intentionally started that way. But see, there's an emotional connection that's being made. How many of you know that emotional affairs take place? Generally before physical affairs take place. And somebody said, hmm. Somebody's feeling me up in here. And here you are, dude, to me, I can talk to her, man. You know, she, she ain't like my wife. My wife, and she, she's something wrong with that. What I'm going to tell you is fix your stuff so that you can talk to your spouse about whatever you need to talk to them about. That wasn't what I wanted to go to today, but somebody in here need to hear that. Some of y'all been arguing about that friend your husband got. Some of y'all been arguing about that friend your wife has. Now, I'm not saying you, that 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 there can't be a friendship with the opposite sex, but that ought to be clear and transparent. And when you, if you got to hide your phone when you talk to her, or when you talk to him, or or you got to hang up. Oh, here come on. I'll talk to you later. As Deacon Floyd Coleman across the street used to say, there's a dead cat on the line somewhere. <laughs> you may not even recognize it right now, but it's something, something percolating. So, so there's something wrong with your relationship 
if you can't tell your spouse who you're talking to. Mm. Y'all didn't come in for that today, but I just gave it to you. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. Get, get back to 1 Corinthians 9, and my, and my time is about up, but uh, everybody say game time. It's game time, it's game time. See, teammates have to be true teammates. I don't need you on my team if you're not going to do all the reps, if you're not going to practice, you're not going to, how do you expect to play in the game and you come to practice one day out of the week? We had four practices. And you, you got those folks who don't want to come to practice, but when it's game time, they want to show up. And I got to also say this. There, there has to be patience in developing, amen, your, 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 your skill set so that when it is time to jump in the game, you're ready. You know, oftentimes, I saw this when I was playing ball at Tech. There were guys who were used to being the stars on their teams in high schools, and when they came out there, everybody was a star on their team. And so some guys couldn't take the mental, uh, the mental drill of having to, to practice, run in the hot sun, do all that stuff, and then not play on Saturdays. They couldn't take it going all year without playing and still have their mind right. It's, it's, it's a mental part of the game. you got to be mentally prepared because there, 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 there are people who got there before you who have developed further than you, and you've been, you, you can't even see that you haven't developed at the levels you need to develop at. So, so it means that you got to be prepared sometimes to, to still prepare yourself before you actually call to the field to play, before you put in the game, amen, to be able to compete and try to score some baskets, to hit the ball or whatever it may be, amen. you got to have some mental toughness. That's why the Bible says renew your mind. God transforms us by the renewing of our mind. Can I get a witness? So as we get back to 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse number 24, and I, I got to hurt to close. And, you know, one of the things that, that Paul gives in this passage here, he actually says that we are to keep our bodies under control just as much as the athlete does. Um, the first thing he says is, is, is that the athlete, just like we, number one, the athlete enters the, enters the race to run and win. He enters the race, number one, to run and to win. Not just to compete, but to win. See, I think in life sometimes we're teaching our kids how not to win. Now, I, part of the lessons learned in participating on a team is not necessarily just winning all the time, but, but we got to teach our children how to win in life. Every situation is not a participation trophy. In the body of Christ, we're in this thing to win. We, we're going after lost souls, and we should not just be satisfied with just hey, maybe, maybe every now and then talking to somebody. The devil is playing for keeps. And we've been assigned by God to go out and reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we cannot be satisfied with going all year long and never leading one person to Christ. See, all you want is a participation trophy. I got saved. I got baptized. Have you mentioned anybody? No, but you know what? I'm saved. I'm, I'm going to heaven anyhow. That's not good enough. God says 
you're on my team, and I want you to prepare to win. I want you to prepare to go after lost souls. I want you to be prepared to deposit my word into the life of someone else so they can receive me as their Lord and their Savior. So he says, enter the race to run and to win. Not just, not just run, but enter, to, enter the race to run and to win. The second thing he says, uh, he says that athletes just like we should, should, should discipline and control ourselves. Discipline and control ourselves because that's important because we can't do that if we're not spiritually disciplined. And that means that, and I'll talk about this on last week, uh, how to have quiet time, prayer time, things that help us be disciplined in our walk with the Lord. Uh, th these are things that we have to ensure that we are, uh, are getting into our daily spiritual diet because hear me carefully. I love all of y'all in here. And I'm going to work with every last one of you in here. But you cannot grow in your faith just by showing up and sitting here for a two-hour service on Sunday. You ain't working out. When I say working out, you're not preparing yourself like the athlete does. We got to get spiritually prepared. I'm out of time, but I'm going to pick back up because it is game time. Look at your neighbor. Say, game time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you for this.